0: It's time now for The Complete Story with Rich Bott, a public news and information feature of Bott Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Rich Bott with today's Complete Story.
1: Well, hello, friends. It's such a joy for me to be able to sit in on The Complete Story as my dad's voice continues to heal. You know, about three weeks ago, he had laser surgery on his vocal cords. And so we're thanking the Lord for the healing that we're seeing taking place. Please keep him in your prayers as his voice continues to strengthen, and I know he's looking forward to being back on the program here before too long to uh, share with you what he's been going through. Well, you know, this is Memorial Day weekend, and uh, we have to think about Memorial Day weekend is a lot more than just barbecue and picnics and get-togethers and fun times. We are to memorialize and thank God those that have gone before, especially our military veterans that have fought so bravely, and many of them paying the ultimate sacrifice. So as today we celebrate the veterans and thank you for your service, we're going to hear from Greg Garrison, and he tells us who is a veteran.
2: Some veterans bear visible signs of their service, a missing limb, a jagged scar, a certain look in the eye others may carry the evidence inside them a pin holding a bone together a piece of shrapnel with a leg or perhaps another sort of inner steel the soul's ally forged in the refinery of adversity except in parades however the men and women who have kept america safe wear no badge or emblem you can't tell a vet just by looking but what is a vet He is the cop on the beat who spent six months in Saudi Arabia sweating two gallons a day, making sure the armored personnel carriers didn't run out of fuel. He is the barroom loudmouth, dumber than five wooden planks, whose overgrown frat boy behavior is outweighed a hundred times in the cosmic scales by four hours of exquisite bravery near the 38th parallel. She or he is the nurse who fought against futility and went to sleep sobbing every night for two solid years in Da Nang. He is the POW who went away one person and came back another or didn't come back at all. He is the Quantico drill instructor who has never seen combat but has saved countless lives by turning slouchy no-account rednecks and gang members into Marines and teaching them to watch each other's backs. He is the parade-riding legionnaire who pins on his ribbons and medals with a prosthetic hand. He is the career quartermaster who watches the ribbons and medals pass him by. He is the three anonymous heroes in the Tomb of the Unknowns, whose presence at the Arlington National Cemetery must forever preserve the memory of all the anonymous heroes whose valor dies unrecognized with them on the battlefield or in the ocean's sunless deep. He is the old guy bagging groceries at the supermarket, palsied now and aggravatingly slow, who helped liberate a Nazi death camp and who wishes all day long that his wife were still alive to hold him when the nightmares come. He is the ordinary and yet extraordinary human being, the person who offered some of his life's most vital years in service to his country and who sacrificed his ambition so that others would not have to sacrifice theirs. He is a soldier and a savior and a sword against the darkness. He is nothing more than the finest, greatest testimony on behalf of the finest, greatest nation ever known. So remember, each time you see someone who has served our country, just lean over and say thank you. That's all most people need. And in most cases, it will mean more than any medals they could have been awarded or were awarded. Two little words that can mean so much. Thank you. It is the soldier, not the reporter, who has given us freedom of the press. It is the soldier, not the poet, who has given us freedom of speech. It is the soldier, not the campus organizer, who has given us the freedom to demonstrate. It is the soldier who salutes the flag who serves beneath the flag, whose coffin is draped by the flag, who allows the protester to burn the flag.
1: So if you have served our nation in uniform, thank you. Thank you. This day is for you. We memorialize you. We remember those that have actually laid down their lives to protect and to preserve the freedoms that we have been granted This is Rich Bott with a special Memorial Day weekend edition of The Complete Story. Uh, You know, my dad is letting his voice heal, and uh, we want to continue to pray for him. Uh, Actually, these are components that he put together, and he said, Rich, would you please share these messages with our listeners for Memorial Day weekend? Uh, Next, we're going to hear from Paul Harvey, a favorite here at Complete Story. Paul Harvey is talking about our founding fathers, those who pledged their lives, their blood, their sacred honor, in order to grant us the protection of these freedoms that were really granted to us by God. Here's Paul Harvey.
0: Americans, the how and the why of our beloved republic are so much better known and understood than the who. The United States of America was born in 1776, but it was conceived 169 years before that. The earliest settlers had watered the new world with much sweat. They had built substantial holdings for themselves, for their families. And when the time came to separate themselves from a tyranny an ocean away, at best it meant starting all over again after the ravages of war. Researching what you're about to hear gave a whole new dimension to my reverence for our nation's first citizens. All others, of the world's revolutions, before and since, were initiated by men who had nothing to lose, nothing to lose. Our founders had everything to lose and nothing to gain, except one thing. Hello Americans, I'm Paul Harvey. You remember the cherry tree fiction, a long time after you have forgotten the more earth-shaking history-making episodes in the life of George Washington. You have misplaced in your memory the details of Ben Franklin's statesmanship, but you remember his flying a kite. Joyce Kilmer was a great military hero, but the only thing you personally recall about him is his poetic tribute to trees. Maybe of this current decade, that which will be remembered best, will not be its wars and its moon rockets, or its crumbling frontiers, or the giants who lived and died. Maybe all that'll survive to linger in the day-by-day vocabulary of generations yet unborn may be the, the songs of a Memphis minstrel, or the reincarnation of electric automobiles. But for any eve of the 4th of July, I, Paul Harvey, do herewith bequeath unto you something to remember. You may not be able to quote one line from the Declaration of Independence at this moment. Henceforth, you'll always be able to quote at least one line. It's in the last paragraph where you will recall when I remind you, it says, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. In the Pennsylvania State House that's now called Independence Hall in Philadelphia, The best men from each of the colonies sat down together. This was a very fortunate hour in our nation's history, one of those rare occasions in the lives of men when we had greatness to spare. These were men of means, well-educated, 24 were lawyers and jurists, nine were farmers, owners of large plantations, On June 11, a committee sat down to draw up a declaration of independence. We were gonna tell the British fatherland, no more rule by redcoats. Below the dam of ruthless foreign rule, the stream of freedom was running shallow and muddy, and we were gonna light a fuse to dynamite that dam. This pact, as Burke later put it, was a partnership between the living and the dead and the yet unborn. There was no bigotry. There was no demagoguery in this group. All had shared hardships jefferson finished a draft of the document in 17 days congress adopted it in july and so much is familiar history but now king george III had denounced all rebels in america as traitors punishment for treason was hanging the names now so familiar to you from the several signatures on that declaration of independence the names were kept secret for six months for each knew the full meaning of that magnificent last paragraph in which his signature pledged his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor. 56 men placed their names beneath that pledge. 56 men knew when they signed that they were risking everything. They knew if they won this fight, the best they could expect would be years of hardship in a struggling nation, and if they lost, they'd face a hangman's rope, but they signed the pledge. And here is the documented fate of that gallant 56. Carter Braxton of Virginia, wealthy planter, trader, saw his ships swept from the seas to pay his debts. He lost his home and all of his properties and died in rags. Thomas Lynch, Jr., who signed that pledge, was a third generation rice grower, aristocrat, large plantation owner. After he signed, his health failed. His wife and he set out for France to regain his failing health. Their ship never got to France, was never heard from again. Thomas McKean of Delaware was so harassed by the enemy that he was forced to move his family five times in five months. He served in Congress without pay, his family in poverty and in hiding. Vandals looted the properties of Ellery and Clymer and Hall and Gwinnett and Walton and Hayward Rutledge and Middleton. Thomas Nelson, Jr. of Virginia, raised two million dollars on his own signature to provision our allies, the French fleet. After the war, he personally paid back the loans, wiped out his entire estate, and he was never reimbursed by his government. In the final battle for Yorktown, he, Nelson, urged General Washington to fire on his, Nelson's, own home, which was occupied by Cornwallis. It was destroyed. Thomas Nelson, Jr. had pledged his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor. The Hessians seized the home of Francis Hopkinson of New Jersey. Francis Lewis had his home and everything destroyed, his wife imprisoned. She died within a few months. Richard Stockton, who signed that declaration, was captured mistreated. His health broken to the extent that he died at 51. His estate was pillaged. Thomas Hayward, Jr. was captured when Charleston fell. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside while she was dying. Their 13 children fled in all directions for their lives. His fields and grist mill were laid waste. For more than a year he lived in forests and caves and returned home after the war to find his wife dead, his children gone, his properties gone. And he died a few weeks later of exhaustion and a broken heart. Lewis Morris saw his land destroyed, his family scattered. Philip Livingston died within a few months from the hardships of the war. John Hancock history remembers best due to a quirk of fate rather than anything he stood for, that great sweeping signature attesting to his vanity, towers over the others, one of the wealthiest men in New England. And yet he stood outside Boston one terrible night of the war, and he said, burn Boston, though it makes John Hancock a beggar if the public good requires it. So he too lived up to the pledge. Of the 56, few were long to survive. Five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes from Rhode Island to Charleston, sacked, looted, occupied by the enemy or burned. Two lost their sons in the army, one had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 died in the war from its hardships or from its more merciful bullets. I don't know what impression you had had of the men who met that summer in Philadelphia. But I think it's important that we remember this about them. They were not poor men. They were not wild-eyed pirates. These were men of means. They were rich men, most of them, and had enjoyed much ease and luxury in their personal living. Not hungry men, certainly not terrorists, not irresponsible malcontents, not fanatical incendiaries. These men were prosperous men, wealthy landowners. They were substantially secure in their prosperity. They had everything to lose. But they considered liberty, and this is as much as I shall say of it. They learned that liberty is so much more important than security, that they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. And they fulfilled their pledge. They paid the price, and freedom was born.
1: Isn't that remarkable? I remember there's a story about Ben Franklin coming out of Constitution Hall and a lady asking him, what form of government have you given us? And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. And that's up to us in each generation to keep it. So as we memorialize and thank the soldiers that have bled and died and done everything they can to protect these freedoms for us. Let us be sure that we're at least registered to vote. And that's the very least we can do is to vote to protect and preserve our freedoms. Well, folks, this is Rich Bott with a special edition of The Complete Story, a Memorial Day weekend edition. The 40th president of the United States, Ronald Reagan, had this to say as a tribute to soldiers.
3: We are a nation under God. And I believe God intended for us to be free. We must realize that no arsenal or no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. Their lives ended in places called Bellow Wood, the Argonne, Omaha Beach, Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Pork Chop Hill the Chosin Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom.
1: So on this Memorial Day weekend, we honor the soldiers of the United States military and the the soldiers, the airmen, the Marines, and everyone that serves in uniform. Well, as we think about the people of history, um, here's someone that I learned about in history, but there's some things that I did not know about him. Sir Francis Drake carried out the second circumnavigation of the world in a single expedition from 1577 to 1580. And uh, you know, it's you always remember the first person that does something. Of course, Magellan was the first person to circumnavigate the world, but Sir Francis Drake was the second. Elizabeth I awarded Drake a knighthood in 1581. As a vice admiral, he was second in command of the English fleet in the battle against the Spanish Armada in 1588. And what a pivotal battle that was. But uh, as we're memorializing uh, soldiers, I wanted to let you know a little bit more about Francis Drake. I did not know about this prayer. So as you hear this prayer that he wrote, think about him circumnavigating the world and think about dreaming big and daring boldly.
4: Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, We have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizon of our hopes and to push us into the future in strength, courage, hope and love. This we ask in the name of our captain, who is Jesus Christ. The Prayer of Sir Francis Drake, 1577
1: And folks, in line with our Memorial Day weekend theme for today, please join me in this Pledge of Allegiance.
4: Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty
1: and justice for all. And now with the national anthem, here is Sandy Patty.
3: Seek and yeah.
1: Tribes and I love that rendition of the Star-Spangled Banner. God bless Sandy Patty. Folks, uh, have a great Memorial Day weekend, Memorial Day is about faith, family, and freedom, and the others who have paid the price. May we be willing to pay the price in our generation to be able to pass on the freedoms we enjoy to the next. God bless you. This is Rich Bott for today's edition of The Complete Story.